Yesterday marked the 21st anniversary of the September 11th terror attacks. Growing up in New York, just north of the city, I remember the day vividly. My mother was in the city that morning as usual for work, and she saw the first tower fall from a train platform uptown. Everyone knew people who died, or at least knew people whose friends or family members had died. We all knew people who just barely made it out, people who, who should have been there and weren't there, people who made it out of downtown, even out of the World Trade Center, walking miles and miles to get out of the city, many covered in dust and debris. Some people would talk about it. Most people I know who were there never talk about it. I don't judge either way how people react to this singular event in American history, especially if they had any association with it or were close to it. That's for them to process. There is one reaction to the 9-11 attacks that is unacceptable. That is the absolute lowest of the low, as scummy as it gets. That is to use the anniversary of the attack to score some stupid, cheap political point on your opponents. And so, of course, the libs came out in full force yesterday to do it. Dean Obadiah, Obadala, he's a talking head on CNN. He tweeted out, quote, terrorists are terrorists, be they bin Laden's Al-Qaeda or Trump's MAGA. Time to hold Trump accountable. Trump's MAGA, by the way, not just Trump. Trump's MAGA, that is to say Trump supporters, Trump voters, that is to say half the country. Half the country, according to this CNN contributor, pretty mainstream voice, all things considered, Trump supporters, half the country, are the same as Al-Qaeda, which is to say that half the country is deserving of death. Now, if it were just some CNN guy mouthing off, that would be one thing, but it wasn't. Hillary Clinton, the former future president of the United States, former first lady, U.S. senator, secretary of state, said basically the same thing. I feel grateful that um, we were able to come together as a country at that really terrible time. We put aside differences. I wish we could find ways of doing that again. We rebuilt New York. Uh, we have done our best to take care of the families that lost so much on that terrible day. And we have also, I think, um, been reminded um, about how important it is uh, to try to deal with extremism of any kind, uh, especially when it uses violence to try to achieve political and ideological uh, goals. So, I'm one who thinks that uh, there are lessons still to be learned from what happened to us on 9-11 that we should be very aware of uh, during this time in our country and the world's history. She's a little subtler than the CNN guy, but there's no question that she's talking about us. The libs use the phrase extremism as a sort of synonym for conservatism or Republican politics. She's taken many cheap shots at us conservatives. She's insinuated that we're terrible, awful threats to the Republic and that the left shouldn't be civil with us. Now she is obviously comparing us to the 9-11 terrorists. And it wasn't just her. The sitting vice president, Kamala Harris was asked to compare Al-Qaeda to alleged domestic terror threats posed by Trump supporters, and she did. 
We're at the 21st um, marking, if you will, of the September 11th attacks. Yeah. This was a foreign terrorist attacking our democracy, yeah. attacking this country. Yeah. We're now, as a nation, battling a threat from within. Is the threat mm. equal or greater than what we faced after 9-11? That's an interesting question. Um, I have held many elected offices as district attorney, attorney general, senator, now vice president, and there's an oath that we always take, which is to defend and uphold our constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And um, we don't compare the two in the oath, but we know they both can exist and we must defend against it. So as usual, she says nothing explicitly, but by accepting Chuck Todd's premise that conservatives are akin to al-Qaeda terrorists, she's, she's entertaining the comparison. Chuck Todd saying, you know, now we face a real domestic threat, you know, from those nasty, awful right-wingers. And isn't it, it's kind of the same as al-Qaeda, right? She goes, wow, really interesting question. No, it's not an interesting question. She should have said, Chuck, that's disgusting. I reject the comparison outright. Sure, the Republicans drive me nuts, but they're not the same thing as Osama bin Laden. But she can't do that because the libs view us as the same thing as bin Laden. Not to be outdone, sitting Democrat Senator Mark Warner came right out and said, that conservatives, they're, they're not even a comparable threat. They are a greater threat to America than the sort of people who knocked down the Twin Towers. I remember, as most Americans do, where they were on 9-11. I was in the middle of a political campaign, and suddenly the differences with my opponent seemed very small in comparison. And our country came together. And in many ways, um, we defeated the terrorists because of the resilience of the American public, because of our intelligence community. And we are safer, better prepared. Um, the stunning thing to me is here we are 20 years later and the attack on the symbol of our democracy was not coming from terrorists, but it came from literally insurgents attacking the Capitol on January 6th. So I believe we are stronger. I believe our intelligence community has performed remarkably. I think the threat of terror has diminished. I think we still have new challenges in terms of nation uh, state challenges, Russia and longer term, a technology competition with China. But I do worry about some of the activity in this country where the election deniers, the insurgency that took place on January 6th, that is something I hope we could see that same kind of unity of spirit. They're calling us terrorists, okay? And it's not just some fringe people. It's contributors on established liberal news networks. It's not just the commentators. It's prominent Democrat politicians. It's sitting Democrat politicians. It's the vice president. It's a U.S. senator. This just a little over a week after the sitting U.S. president called us all fascists who pose an existential threat to the country by our very existence, okay, by our very presence here. They're accusing us of a capital offense because the libs don't just disagree with us and they don't just want to persuade us. Whether you want to believe it or not, and I think we don't want to believe it, we don't want to accept this reality, but you listen to the words that these people are saying, these people are saying that they want us dead. I'm Michael Knowles, this is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Vinny, Vinny Durham, who says, I am actually shocked that Michael has never watched Peppa Pig. He would have loved it. I would have loved it. 
but now they are turning the frickin' pigs gay. They turned the frickin' frogs gay some years ago. Alex Jones observed it. Now they are turning even the British pigs gay. And so, so much for Peppa Pig. We need an alternative. What can I say? That's what we need, all right? We, the culture is breaking. When things in your home break, you're going to want to have American Home Shield. Right now, go to ahs.com slash Knowles. We could all use some peace of mind when it comes to staying on budget right now. That is why American Home Shield exists. As a member, you know your home, budget, and sanity are covered. They offer a choice of three great plans to help cover the cost of repair or replacing parts of major home systems and appliances, no matter their age. If American Home Shield cannot repair the covered item, they will replace it. American Home Shield members get more, more coverage options and fewer exclusions. From HVAC systems and plumbing to kitchen appliances, their plans help protect parts of up to 23 essential home systems and appliances. You get electronics coverage available for an unlimited number of eligible items, such as smartwatches, flat screen TVs, and more. Other options include roof leak repair and pool and spa coverage, coverage available no matter how old your systems and appliances are. Plus, right now, they are offering an exclusive 50 bucks off for our listeners. Keep your home up and running and budget on track with American Home Shield. Right now, take $50 off their most comprehensive plans ever. Go to ahs.com slash Knowles to save 50 bucks. ahs.com slash Knowles for 50 bucks off any plan. American Home Shield, be sure with the shield. Service fees, limitations, and exclusions apply. See plan for details. So to follow the line of argument, the libs are saying that because conservatives objected to some of the changes to the election system, the major changes to the election system right before the 2020 election, we are just like the people who knocked down the Twin Towers and hit the Pentagon. That's what they're saying. The the issue that they're, the, the thing that the conservatives did that they are taking issue with is that we raised any questions about the 2020 election. That makes us election deniers, which makes us insurgents, which makes us terrorists. That's what they're all saying. And then a Democrat congressman, Vicente Gonzalez, at the very same time, in the very same breath, accuses the GOP of stealing elections. And he, here's, here's his reasoning. Here's his evidence that the GOP stole an election. I reflect the values of our community, but only we can change that. They stole that last election. They spent $3 million to our $250,000 and they campaigned for two years and they still only won by less than 1%. So the way to turn this around is getting out and vote. So folks, thank you for being out here. Let's get everyone excited. Vicente con la gente. So, so according to this Democrat congressman, the GOP stole an election. This would be the election of Myra Flores, who beat uh, Representative Dan Sanchez in a special election. Uh, the, the reason that the Republicans stole it is uh, because they won. That's why. When, when the Republicans win, that is evidence that they stole it, because the Republicans are never supposed to win, because we have a thriving democracy. And so if one of the two parties ever wins, then that's an attack on our democracy. Because by our democracy, they mean a one-party totalitarian system that marches inevitably toward progressive liberalism. That's the argument. Now, you might say, Michael, they're contradicting themselves. They call us terrorists when we raise question, legitimate questions about elections, and then they raise illegitimate questions about elections and accuse us of stealing things with no evidence whatsoever. Right. It's not about principle. There is no principle here. Okay. It's just about power. 
And the lesson, the takeaway for conservatives here is to stop entertaining it, to stop trying to meet in the middle and find some conciliatory middle ground and say, actually, you know, the Democrats have a point. Donald Trump really shouldn't talk a certain way. And actually, Democrats, you have to give it to them. You don't. You don't have to hand it to them. They don't have a point. They, they expressly don't have a point. They're not really making arguments. They're just wielding power against you, who they consider to be a terrorist. You, who they think are committing a capital offense and by your presence pose an existential threat to the country. You, who they want to kill. <laughs> they are telling you that in their own words, you do not have to hand it to them. I wish we could communicate better in this country. When you want to communicate with your customers, you got to check out Podium. Right now, go to podium.com slash Knowles. A lot of people hate calling a business and would much rather just send a quick message. If you're running a business and the only way to get in touch with you is a phone number, you might be losing people. Podium gives businesses the tools to compete with the convenience offered by bigger businesses or huge companies like Amazon. From healthcare providers to plumbers, over 100,000 businesses are texting with customers through Podium. Customers love the convenience. Businesses love the results. One car dealer sold a $50,000 truck in just four text messages. With Podium's all-in-one inbox, you can do even more than just chat. Get more online reviews by sending an easy-to-use link, collect payments fast from anywhere, and send marketing campaigns that actually get a response. All by sending a quick text. See how Podium can grow your business. Watch a demo today at podium.com slash Knowles. That's podium.com slash Knowles. Podium, let's grow. The libs are so brazen these days, they feel that they don't really need arguments. The, uh, the mayor of New Orleans really exemplified this. I, I, in a way, I do have to hand it to this lady, not for any of the political arguments she's making, but just for her boldness and temerity in making them. The mayor of New Orleans just got caught in a political scandal because she's buying herself very expensive travel. Okay, She's buying herself first-class travel. New Orleans is not the wealthiest city in the world. She, this, this woman's supposed to be a public servant. She doesn't need to be flying first class. And so she's asked if she's going to reimburse the, the difference for the first-class Tickets. And this woman comes out there, she says, how, how dare you even raise that question? All expenses incurred doing business on behalf of the city of New Orleans will not be reimbursed to the city of New Orleans. One thing is clear, I do my job and I will continue to do it with distinction, with dignity and integrity every step of the way. And so that's what I have to say on that. You're saying that I'm a little bit corrupt. But what I'm saying is I do a great job. So that's that. So that's it. And she went on. This is my favorite part of the quote. I can't find a, a video clip of it anywhere, but it is being reported in multiple outlets. Quote, as the mother of a young child whom I live for, I am going to protect myself by any reasonable means in order to ensure I am there to see her grow into the strong woman I am raising her to be. Here's the punchline. Anyone who wants to question how I protect myself just doesn't understand the world black women walk in. Wait, 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 wait. So <laughs> you're, you're telling me that you're buying yourself fancy first class tickets at the taxpayer expense, taxpayers of the poor city that you're the mayor of. And then when you get called out for it, you're saying it's because you're a black woman and black women can't fly in coach. Black, black, white men can fly in coach, but black women, you see, it's too dangerous to fly back there with those filthy hoi polloi. Oh, could you imagine? 
It, it, oh, could you imagine if it were a black woman in a middle seat? Oh, it would, the, the risk would simply be too high. So you understand this lady has to fly first class. She has to get some free glasses of champagne for her safety. It's always a threat. It's always a threat to their lives. Anytime that, that uh, there's someone that they don't like exercising any kind of power, anytime they don't get their way on the left, they say, oh, it's a threat. It's a threat. I feel unsafe. When a conservative comes to a college campus to give a lecture, they say, no, I feel unsafe. We got to cancel the conservative. When, when regular old Americans vote for Donald Trump, they say, no, I feel unsafe. They're insurrectionists. They're terrorists. We got to. And now this woman's saying, no, sorry. When you question my luxurious expenditures at the taxpayer dime, no, I feel unsafe. Sorry. Black. I'm a black woman. Here's my Trump card. I'm a black woman. Shut up now. <laughs> Look, it's working for her. She gets to fly first class. She doesn't really get questioned. This is how identity politics works in America. You claim to be a member of an aggrieved minority. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to answer for a damn thing. You don't have to make any arguments. This is why there is such a currency to victimhood, especially to racial victimhood, that everyone's trying to claim it. And when they can't claim it because there is, there is no anti-black oppression, there's no systemic racism, there's no anti-woman misogyny, patriarchy. It's all, you know, that is a fantasy of the libs. Because of that, they have to invent it. This is what you're seeing right now at BYU, Brigham Young University. You may have heard of this story. I didn't even report on it because I knew it was bogus from the beginning. But the headlines for weeks now have been that th there was a racist incident during a Brigham Young volleyball game. It was Duke versus Brigham Young. And the Duke volleyball player, Rachel Richardson, claimed that BYU fans yelled racial slurs at her during the game. BYU, that's, that's the Mormon university. Mormons, probably the nicest and most polite people who have ever walked the face of the earth. <laughs> They're apparently screaming, yelling racial slurs. So the minute I saw that, I said, nope, that didn't happen. <laughs> There's just no way. I would bet, I would bet probably my life savings that that didn't happen at all. Nothing even resembling that happened. Then the day after the game, this Duke player's godmother, Lisa Pamplin, who's a lib politician who is running for number five judge of Tarrant County Criminal Court, tweeted out, quote, my goddaughter is the only black starter for Duke's volleyball team. While playing yesterday, she was called a, an N, the N word, you're not even allowed to say the word, that's that's how systemically racist America is against black people. There's, there's only one word in the entire English language you are not allowed to say right now, and it's the word that would be offensive to black people. And she was called that word for every time she served. Uh, then in comes LeBron James, of course. LeBron James, one of the wealthiest, most privileged people in America, who says black man can't walk outside their door without uh, being hunted down by racist police. So LeBron James, of course, not a whole lot going on in between those years. He, he decides to chime in. He believes the thing, hook, line, and sinker. He says, Lisa Pamplin, you tell your goddaughter to stand tall, be proud, and continue to be black. We're a brotherhood and sisterhood. We have her back. This is not sports. And then Richardson herself chimed in. Said, Friday night in our match against Brigham Young, my fellow African-American teammates and I were targeted and racially, racially heckled throughout the entirety of the match. The slurs and comments grew into threats, okay, which caused us to feel unsafe. So hold on. Initially, it was we were called names. Then it was we were called the N-word. Then it was we were th directly threatened 
not just me, by the way, my whole, all the black players, even though apparently I thought she was the only black player, whatever. As a result of this, uh, South Carolina women's basketball team decided to cancel its home and home series with Brigham Young. There was a national outcry, you know, because of how systemically racist America is. Everyone's just starts to cancel BYU because, because e- to even have this slight insinuation that you might be in any way racist against black people, it will destroy your entire life. And then BYU does an investigation and finds zero evidence that anything like this took place. It never happened. All of the cultural forces in America are pressuring BYU to find any evidence of this. And and BYU couldn't because it obviously didn't happen. Of course. Of course, because none of these things are real. They're always hoaxes. It's your, your reaction to headlines about this is the most interesting thing about the stories. I don't mean you. You're, if you're listening to the show, you're very sensible people. But I mean Americans generally. I had a friend. This is right after Trump wins. Friend of mine in LA, very, very liberal. He says, Michael, the racism, the Ku Klux Klan has been unleashed in America. I said, oh, yeah, I don't think so. I actually know a lot of black people who voted for Trump. I don't really, I don't really buy that. He says, no, Michael, I don't. Michael, I was driving down in West Hollywood and I saw a sign and it, it said, black people not wanted here. I, don't, I forget the exact wording, but it was something to the effect of, go away, black people, we don't like you. Can you imagine, Michael, in West Hollywood, the forces of racism have been unleashed? I said, hey, hey buddy, buddy, d- repeat what you just said. In West Hollywood, which is the most liberal <laughs> part of one of the most liberal cities, one of the most liberal states, you're seeing this sign. So either there is explicit, either the Ku Klux Klan is all libs, or it's a hoax. It's not real. It was put up by either a black person who is trying to get some kind of uh, victim status, or in West Hollywood, more likely probably just a liberal white person who is trying to pretend that there is this awful culture of racism. You know, to, to engage in a lie but the lie tells a greater truth. That's what the libs always say when they get caught in a lie. But I'm sure, and that isolated incident, I don't know, there was no, not even any reporting about this sign that my buddy saw. I, I promise you that was a hoax. But, and the way I, that I know that that was a hoax is that they always are hoaxes, okay? These kinds of incidents have been going on, especially on campuses like BYU, but on campuses around the country. These things have been going on for 50 years now or more. And they have been increasing in frequency constantly over the last five or six years, really beginning with the Trump administration, because the libs had this narrative to sell that Trump is a big racist and the conservatives are the Ku Klux Klan. And so because there was no evidence of that, they had to fabricate it. The demand for anti-black racism is very, very high. The supply is very, very small. And so they have to manufacture the supply. That's exactly what they did. BYU, it turns out the race, the racial hate incident was a total hoax. 1969, Cornell University, Willard Strait Hall. You have black power activists who are demanding the creation of an African-American studies center. 
an African-American studies department. African-American studies is a fake academic discipline, but in the 60s, these kind of critical theory disciplines were cropping up everywhere. And so these activists at Cornell wanted one, and they weren't going to get one because it's a fake academic discipline. So then what do you know? A burning cross shows up in front of one of the black groups on campus. And as a result of this, there's a a major uh, incident. You have black power activists with guns holding people hostage on campus. And as a result, the university caves and creates the AFAM studies department. Now, the most curious thing about this whole incident is they never found out who put up that burning cross. They never found any of those Ku Klux Klansmen on campus. In fact, they found a lot of evidence that the black power activists burned the cross themselves. Of course, why wouldn't they? By, by feigning victimhood, they got everything that they wanted. Obviously, Jesse Smollett, that's the greatest example. You got this basically unknown actor from a show that pretty much nobody watched walking around Chicago, downtown Chicago, a, a city that had been governed by libs for almost 100 years at that point, exclusively by libs, by one of the most notorious Democrat machines. And then it just so happens <laughs> that there were two Klansmen, MAGA hat-wearing men out on the street looking for this obscure actor and carrying rope to, to lynch him, wearing the MAGA hats, and then Jesse Smollett fought them off while holding a subway sandwich. It never made any sense. Half of the country believed it. More than half the country believed Smollett. Even in the most ridiculous version of this, that's the power of the narrative. 2016, uh, three black students in, at Oberlin College uh, accused a bakery and liquor store owner of, of racially profiling them, discriminating against them. Major, major incident. Oberlin cuts the contract, totally defames this poor little bakery. And it turns out, no, the kids were lying. They were trying to rob the store. They were trying to steal booze. They completely made it up. And everyone bought into it, hook, line, and sinker, except for those of us who know that all every single one of these incidents is a hoax. And fortunately now in court, the court, when presented with all this evidence, actually uh, found in favor of the bakery. But, but too little too late, the baker actually ended up dying and Oberlin still hasn't totally paid them out. What about uh, 2016, that same year, Bowling Green State University? There was allegedly an incident of rock hurling white Trump supporters, throwing these, these rocks at a black student. The only evidence of racism or violence that investigators could find was a trove of text messages from the black student who had concocted this story, uh, the student had sent her, her boyfriend texts disparaging white people and wishing death upon Trump supporters and saying that she wished we would all get AIDS. Okay. <laughs> that 2017, St. Olaf College in Min Min Minnesota, a black student left a racist threat on her own car. There was an, oh, here's a threat. The Klan's going through Minnesota. No, she wrote it herself. 2017, Five black Air Force Academy cadets found racial slurs on their doors. Oh no, the Klan is active at the Air Force, right? No, turns out, investigation proved, they wrote the threats themselves and the slurs themselves. 2018, a black student at Goucher College found uh, uh, in, in a dorm room bathroom, I'm going to kill all N-words. Big uproar. Here we go. The Klan is back. And reasonable people knew this was obviously fake. And it turns out, yes, the kid wrote the slur himself. And the irony of it is, I guess the kid is technically black. If you look at a picture of him, he doesn't look black at all. You wouldn't know, even know that he was black. So, so even the idea that he would have been targeted is completely preposterous. He doesn't, he, not that he wouldn't have been targeted anyway, because this stuff doesn't exist. Because it's all made up. Because it's all, it has to be fabricated for the demand. So wh why? How does this happen? 
It happens because of the power of the narrative in face of all the evidence. And it's not just that the libs buy into this stuff. The conservatives buy into it too. Down in South Carolina, there is a pro-life bill that the South Carolina Republicans were trying to pass. And it just got shot down. And it got shot down largely because of defections by squish Republicans in South Carolina. Five Republicans, uh, Senate Republicans, led by GOP Senator Tom Davis, filibustered the abortion ban that was supposed to pass on Thursday. Uh, He was joined by uh, three women. One other guy, three women. And here's what one of the women said. This was Senator Hen. Uh, I'm sorry, Senator Sen in South Carolina. She said, we ladies are about to suffer a setback at the hands of a lot of white males in here, but we're going to live to fight another day. The white males have lost too. We've been here for two days and two nights, and we're basically back to the same bill we passed a year ago, and the Supreme Court has taken off the table temporarily. Here's to hope and ladies. Even the Republicans buy into this kind of language. The white males are the worst. That the white males are the worst people in the world. One time I was, I was in Washington, D.C., and there was a group of black nationalists called the Black Hebrew Israelites. They're the same guys that were screaming slurs at the Covington kid with the MAGA hat outside of the uh, Lincoln Memorial, the one where the crazy Indian man started banging a drum in his face, and somehow the whole country turned on the kid, turned on the kid because he's a white male. And so I was, I was in front of this group in D.C., and there was a kind of frivolous young white girl uh, there. And the... Uh, the, the guy was yelling all sorts of awful things about her and white people in general. And her reaction was priceless. It told me everything I needed to know about the state of racial political narratives. She said, hey, stop it. That's not fair. Why are you yelling at me? I am a woman. I've been oppressed by the white men too. I said, yeah, you look real oppressed, lady. You look real in your North Face with your pumpkin spice latte. Oh, I almost forgot my sign. I got my nice little sign here. If loving pumpkin spice is wrong, I don't want to be right. So she's there. I think we actually may have been outside of a coffee shop, maybe a Starbucks. I don't, I don't remember the specific details. But we're there, and this woman yells at me. I said, lady, you're not. No, <laughs> the, an- the answer to this ridiculous narrative from this group that is claiming all sorts of nonsense is not to try to join their side. To say, no, 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 I'm also oppressed. I, all, yeah, all those white men are terrible. Don't go after me. Go after Go after them. The answer is to knock down the whole narrative. I think the only, the only way we're going to get around this, we need, a, we need a major nationwide political campaign that says white guys are people too. <laughs> it says white, white guys aren't the worst people in the world. <laughs> white guys aren't universally evil. Okay, that I don't know. If you, if you were to have such a campaign, it would probably be called racist and sexist. You can't do it. The, the libs have concocted this narrative that white people are the worst. So anything white people do is bad. We talked about this last week with with when white people move neighborhoods. If white people move into a a minority neighborhood, that's bad because that's gentrification. They're bad for doing that. But if white people move out of a minority neighborhood, that's bad. That's white flight and they're bad for doing it. So there's just nothing they can do that's right. (laughs) And so maybe what that tells you is just that the narrative is unjust. Okay. It's ju- it is the libs creating an enemy, creating a scapegoat of people unjustly, and then l- leaving no limit to what can be done to these people. Discriminate against them according to the law. I mean, think about what the libs are doing to the Republicans now, comparing us to al-Qaeda terrorists. Okay, there's no limit to that. They're accusing us of a capital offense. 
Speaking of education, Corinne uh, Jean-Pierre is now, on behalf of the Biden administration, retconning COVID because what happened during COVID was so obviously uh, painful and pointless. All the masks and the lockdowns and you can't go to school and you can't go to church. It was so, so awful. And now the numbers are in. Kids are much dumber than they were before, before the COVID lockdowns. And so uh, now what the Dems are doing is they're saying, hey, actually, remember when the Republicans wanted to keep the schools open and the Democrats single-handedly shut them down? And in, they did that because they're in the pocket of the teachers union. And, and for years, they insisted on the schools remaining shut down despite Republicans. Actually, it was the opposite. The National Assessment of Educational Progress uh, is, has this new testing that shows that nine-year-olds lost ground in both math and reading in pretty dramatic ways as a result of the pandemic. Um, what is the president going to do about it? What is the administration going to do about this? severe learning loss? And does the administration shoulder any blame for not pushing schools to reopen sooner? So let's step back to where we were uh, not too long ago when this president walked into this administration, uh, how mismanaged uh, the pandemic, the response to the pandemic was, uh, how 47% of schools uh, were uh, in, in less than six months uh, our schools went from 46% uh, to, to open to nearly all of them being open to full time. That was the work of this president. And that was the work of Democrats, in spite of Republicans not voting for uh, the American Rescue Plan. That was the work of Democrats, despite the Republicans. Yeah, no, no, no. I know you think you thought, I know you thought that the Republicans spent the whole time saying, reopen the schools, reopen the schools. And the Democrats saying, no, we can't because the teachers don't want to go back to work. But no. No, it was the opposite. And a lot of people are going to believe it. This is the real advantage of controlling the media and the tech platforms, is they can retcon this stuff almost without any evidence left over. When I've gone back, you know, I've mentioned this on the show before. When I've gone back to find the clips of Dr. Fauci saying, if you take the vaccine, you won't catch COVID, or Biden or Walensky saying the same thing. When I've gone back, because they, they then obviously contradicted themselves, very often those clips are just gone. You can't find them. I have to go back to my own show and find the clips on my, because at least I, I own that material, find those clips because otherwise they've been scrubbed largely from the internet. That's what they're going to do on COVID. They're going to say all the bad stuff was Republicans, all the good stuff was Democrats, even though it was completely the opposite. We cannot let them do that. If you've been thinking to yourself, you know, it's been a while since we heard from Candace Owens. Have I got news for you? Candace is back from maternity leave in a brand new eponymous Daily Wire Plus podcast, Candace Owens. See the first show, Candace. Second show, Candace Owens. It's, she's, she's, she's growing. She's expanding. Maybe she'll have a middle name for the third show. She is going to fearlessly explore the topics the media won't touch and expose the corruption and hypocrisy in news and politics. Best part is, I love this. I've been begging her to do this from the beginning. Five days a week. So it's not just this once a week thing. We are getting much more Candace Monday through Friday. You will not want to miss her explosive first episode premieres today at 3 p.m. Central on Daily Wire Plus. Trust me when I say this is huge. Check out Candace Owens' podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Daily Wire Plus, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I know that Republicans complain that the schools were shut down during COVID, and it is bad in terms of children's overall 
progression, and it's, it's, it was completely needless from the standpoint of medicine and public health. But there are some benefits. Namely, your children were not exposed for some period of time to people like this. I love a bold eye, and I love bold hair, and I love bold glasses, and I love just living loud and proud and out. And like, to me, this is, this is my art. This is like my queer art that I just exist colorfully every day. And, um, I love a bold eye, but here's one place you should not wear a bold eye. You should not wear a bold eye when you're going to hear Mike Curato give a talk about this book, because um, if you do, then there's a strong chance that you might cry and have like a Tammy Faye Baker moment. Yeah, it, she goes on and on about this weird, like, kind of porny book that she's promoting. She has a school library. She's, I don't know what bold eye means. Does that mean weird rainbow glasses, like the rainbow hair, or like the, like the rainbow everything? That's a school librarian who is peddling pornography <laughs> to your children. And the argument that she makes, not even so much in that video, but in some of the writing that she's published, is, is really profound. She says that Queer aesthetic is a form of resistance. So you hear she's talking about her glasses and her hair and her look and her this and this picture book and the images. Not so much the arguments, not even the rights, just the aesthetic is a form of resistance. And she's totally right. And conservatives' answer to this shouldn't just be like, oh, whatever, who cares? Yeah, you want to wear your crazy hair? You look like a crazy person. That's not a big deal. It's really just the rights and the arguments and the law. No, no, the, the conservative response to that should be, oh yeah, you're right. We should ban that stuff. <laughs> At least, I'm not saying we pass a federal law against stupid colored hair. I'm saying that we need to have standards and norms. And in places like schools, we need dress codes. We always had dress codes in places for all of American public life. And then, I don't know, over the last five minutes, we've decided that we have a First Amendment right to wear whatever we want in any place we want. That's not true. When you go into certain restaurants, you need to wear a jacket. When you go to school, especially for most of American history, you needed to wear something akin to a uniform. And you couldn't wear dresses that were too short, and you couldn't wear, you couldn't have your hair in some crazy way, and you couldn't have piercings and tattoos everywhere. There, there are rules to how to dress, and those can be enforced by institutions. And we should discourage the weird, crazy, queer stuff. She's totally right. Queer aesthetics is a form of resistance, and we should oppose that. It is. Yet, conservatives are really good at talking about the truth. We're really good at saying, no, that's not true. That's false. Boom. Debunked. Owned. Facts and logic. We're really good at that. We're okay at talking about the good. Not all conservatives are, not all right-wingers. Some people don't want to talk about the good. They say, well, you do you, I'll do me, we'll do whatever we want. That's true. Your good might be my bad, whatever, you know, some nonsense. But generally, conservatives have been historically pretty good at saying, no, there is such a thing as good and bad, and we should be moral and not be vicious. Okay. But conservatives are not so great at talking about that third transcendental of being, beauty. When we're talking about the transcendentals, we're talking about the good, the true, and the beautiful. That's what we're supposed to pursue. The good, the true, and the beautiful. And the beautiful is really important here too. Aesthetics is really important here too. A man who is considered one of the foundational conservative philosophers, Edmund Burke, was an aesthetic philosopher. One of the most prominent conservative philosophers until he died a few years ago, Roger Scruton, was in many ways an aesthetic philosopher. Beauty matters. Okay, The way we look 
matters because we're sensible beings, right? We, we perceive things about the world and it affects the way that we live. This is, this is why modern architecture is such a big problem. It's why right-wing political movements have taken an issue with modern architecture and modern art. Going back to Max Nordau writing the book De Generacion on, on the un- unpleasant turn toward ugliness in modern art. And that's a big problem for us. We need, we, conservatives have the confidence most of the time, some of the time at least, to say, no, that's not true. That's false. You're not really a woman. You're a man. When we're going to insist on that. We're like pretty good at that. And we're okay, but not that, not great at saying, no, this is good and this is bad and we should do the good thing, not the bad thing. We need to get better at that. But we're just abysmal at saying, no, this is beautiful. That's ugly. Do the beautiful thing. Donald Trump, it was my favorite executive order he ever signed. It had no teeth. It went nowhere. Biden rescinded it immediately. But it was the make federal beauty, make federal buildings beautiful again act. He said, look, we have these beautiful old buildings in Washington, D.C. Then we have this modern new trash that's so ugly and it makes you ashamed to be in Washington, D.C. Let's get rid of that stuff and make the new federal buildings neoclassical and beautiful again. Let's do that. And let's reinstitute some dress codes. Uh, It's going to be really hard. There was a a case about this. Harris Funeral Home case versus Equal Employment Opportunity Commission went up to the Supreme Court, and it was about a confused man who worked in a funeral home who thought that he was a woman, and he insisted on wearing a dress. And the owner of the funeral home said, look, man, this is, people are grieving. They're really fragile and vulnerable when they come here. And this is not the place for you to make some bizarre, perverted political statement about how you're really a woman. That's not what these people are here for. It's distracting. It's really, when you're working at a funeral home, it's about the grieving families, okay? And stop making it about you. You can't wear the dress. Put on pants like an adult, like a man. And then when you go home, if you want to go wear drag to some seedy club at night, be my guest, but not while you work here. And the confused man sued and he won, unfortunately. He won the case. And so now we're not allowed to enforce these things. It's very important for conservatives to dig back in on this issue and just stop seeding the ground here. You think, it's a, you think it's a little thing, how we dress, what we wear, what we look like. But it, it affects the whole, it truly affects the way we view the world because it affects everything that we see. Speaking of dumb court decisions, a South Carolina judge has just ruled that uh, capital punishment, specifically by the electric chair or firing squad, is unconstitutional. Now, how's that? This judge, uh, Jocelyn Newman, ruled that this style of executions inflicted cruel and unusual punishment. This nullifying a state law passed last year that forced death row inmates to pick between one of those two methods uh, with electrocution as the default procedure. So it's obviously not cruel and unusual punishment. It's not, it's certainly not unusual, right? It's, that's been a punishment for many, many years, many, many decades or centuries even in some cases. And so a firing squad. I imagine how far back that goes. So it's obviously not unusual, and I don't think it's cruel. In fact, I think those are some of the more humane ways to be executed. So that that's BS. Then she makes one more claim. She says, "Well, uh, the the electric chair law and the firing squad law ignore advances in scientific research and evolving standards of humanity and decency." And I think, first of all, do you think we have evolving standards of decency here? Do you think they're evolving or devolving? Because I think we're transing the kids right now, and I think that our public officials are, are wearing leather daddy pentagram straps and, and leading around other human beings like they're doggies by a collar, okay? I think, I think we're killing 800 
plus thousand babies per year in America. I don't think we have any evolving standards of decency. I think we have devolving standards of decency and we have expanding standards of degeneracy. So based on that, I don't know, you should be able to do anything. You should be able to draw and quarter people based on where our current standards of decency are. But furthermore, okay, you're admitting we can have standards. Good. Let's have standards. Let's have standards when it comes to transing the kids. Let's have, or transgenderism generally. Let's have standards when it comes to the weird pride parades and the people working for the Biden administration. Let's have standards when it comes to our language, the kind of language that people use in public and on TV. Let's have all sorts of standards. No, we're not allowed to have that. We're only allowed to we're only allowed to institute new radical leftist standards, which are evil, but we're not allowed to embrace good traditional Christian standards. It's just a completely rigged game. There's no argument here whatsoever. There's no principle here. It gets right back to what we were talking about at the top of the show. It's just power, okay? It's just, yeah, you question election? Yeah, you're a terrorist. Get ready. We're going to bring the firing squad to you. But oh yeah, a, a mass murderer was sentenced to death by firing squad? No. Yeah, that's, sorry. Evolving standards of decency. We need to let that guy out on the street. He's probably a Democrat voter. You question the election, you're a terrorist. I question the election, I'm defending our democracy. That's how it works. That's how it works. Okay. And so we can either pull our hair out and say, where's the argument? You guys aren't being consistent. You're being hypocrites. Yeah, they know they're being hypocrites. They don't care. They don't care, okay? The, the conclusion for us is we need to get power, and we need to, we need to wield that power. And there's nothing anti-conservative about that, and there's nothing anti-American about that. There's nothing fascistic. The, the word fascism doesn't mean anything. It's like the word racism. It's just a word that they throw at us that has no meaning. It has been defined down into nothing. So just ignore it. Let it slide off you like water off of wax, okay? Evolving standards of decency. It's insane. Okay, they want to kill you. <laughs> they want to kill you. Hillary Clinton said, on it, not just Hillary Clinton, the sitting Democrat senator, Senator Warner, not just them, the guy on CNN, not just the guy on CNN, even out of the White House, they're saying you're fascists, you're terrorists, you, you're committing a capital offense, your very existence poses an existential threat to the country. They're saying they want to kill you, okay? And we're here arguing over, well, actually, do you think that the statute really in the spirit of the law allows us to get rid of drag queen story? Give me a break. Wield some power. Grow a spine. Good grief. We're allowed to grow all sorts of other appendages these days in the transgender culture. How about we grow a spine? That would be nice. Maybe a couple other appendages too would be good. The rest of the show is continuing now. You do not want to miss it. If you're not a member, click on that link in the description and join us. This is Music Monday, baby. We are going to be listening to a new song that the producers have picked out. I will give you my expert artistic analysis. You know that I'm hippity hoppity. You know I'm cool with the jive. I'm Wonder Mike. I've come to say hello to the black, the white, the red, and the brown, the purple, and yellow. But first, you got to head on over to that member block. We will be right there.